listening to the Northside Christian Church Sermon Podcast. These teachings are recorded at our weekly Sunday morning gatherings in Springfield, Missouri. For more about our church, service times, and how to connect, visit northsidechristianchurch.net. Good to see you, especially on this family Sunday, having all of our kids with us. Isn't that awesome today on our Christmas Eve service? We love that. In fact, here's how I want to begin today. I would like, if you're 11 years of age and younger, first of all, raise your hand if that's you, 11 years of age and younger. So there's quite a few in this room. I need, I need your help right now. And, and here's what I want to do. I, I want you to think of the Christmas story of Jesus's birth. And I want you to think about the places and the people and the characters and the images and all the things that are in the Christmas story of Jesus's birth. Are you getting it in your head right now? Are you thinking about it? Okay, I want you to start shouting out the things that come to your mind when you think of the Christmas story of Jesus's birth. You ready to go? Start shouting them out. The manger. Angels. Bethlehem. Manger. Jesus. Mary. Joseph. Cow. Baby Jesus. All right. Okay. Good job. All right. Excellent. I think of those things too. Those are the things that come to my mind when I think of the Christmas story of Jesus' birth. But there's one thing that I also think of that I did not hear. Maybe there's a chance somebody mentioned it and I just didn't hear you. But there's an image that comes to my mind when I think of Christmas that nobody said and in fact, I, I see Evan Medlin right here. I'm going to have him come up here and help me real quick. Evan, let's, Evan is eight years old. He's in a couple. Let's give Evan a hand. Come on up here, Evan. Yeah. Come and help me, buddy. Woo, woo, woo. There we go, man. Awesome. Okay. Evan, I've got right back here under this black cloth, the image of Christmas I was thinking of that no one said. Okay. And on the count of three, I'm going to have you pull that out. I want everybody to see it. But I want it to be a surprise. So I'm going to turn the lights off, okay? The lights are going off. I, don't, I want this to be a surprise. And Evan, right here, buddy. Can you see? Right underneath this black cloth. Go ahead and pull that out, buddy. Ready? One, two, three. Pull it out. Whoa! A lightsaber! How many of you thought of that when you thought of Christmas? Raise your hand. Uh, raise your hand higher. I can't see it. Oh, wait. Never mind. It's dark in here. That's why. Um, I doubt many of you raised your hand. Now, I have to admit, a lightsaber's embellishing a little bit because what I really mean is a sword. I know there's a difference, but what I really mean is in the Christmas story... I better step back. There is a sword. And when you... How many of you have a sword hanging on your Christmas tree? Yeah, I don't either. Me either. But there's a sword there, Evan. There is a sword in the Christmas story. Now, when I think of sword, I think of something that is dangerous, hard. I think of conflict, division. I think of something that's kind of scary when I think of a sword. And here's what I want you to know, Evan. When Jesus was older, he said, if you love Jesus and you live in this world, there is going to be division and conflict. In fact, what Jesus said is when you go through life, sometimes it's going to be more like this. (laughs) 
Wow. Evan, are you really just eight years old? Clearly, I'm getting a six-year-old next time. That was amazing. Wow, let's give it up for Evan over here, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! All right. Now, I know we're having a little fun with that, with Evan, who did a great job on that. But the sword of Christmas. Now that I can see you, how many of you thought of a sword when you thought of Christmas? Uh, if you did, I'm, I'm pretty impressed because most people don't. So what am I talking about when I say the sword of Christmas? Where is that? It's in Luke chapter 2. And it's in the Bible. That's the book we use. And uh, it's in Luke chapter 2 when Simeon is at the temple. And while he's at the temple, Simeon is a righteous and devout man. And Simeon is waiting for the consolation, the comfort of Israel. He's waiting for the Messiah to come. And so we read about this devout man named Simeon in Luke 2, verse 26, where the text tells us this, that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he saw the Lord's Messiah. He would see Jesus. So moved by the Spirit... He went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms, and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you've promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations. And the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him about Jesus. Like I'm picturing Simeon holding up Jesus right there in the temple. I kind of picture it like this, like Simba being held up by Rafiki and there's Musafa and, and, uh, Sarabi. They're looking on, but we've got Mary, Joseph, Simeon, and Jesus. It probably looked a little bit more like this. That, that picture may be just a little bit off. So it's more like this. And Simeon is holding Jesus in his arms and notice Simeon says, You may now dismiss me in what? Peace. I've seen Jesus. I've seen the Savior of the world. Now that Christmas has come, I can die in peace. He is peace. But then what Simeon says next does not sound like peace. It doesn't sound peaceful at all. Because here's what he says next. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now, wait a minute, what? A sword will pierce Mary's soul? Is this like a literal sword, a real sword? What does he mean a sword will pierce your soul? He's talking about when Jesus, the reason he was born into this world is so he would die on a cross. And what Simeon is saying is when Jesus dies on the cross... It's going to tear Mary's heart out. She's going to be devastated. And when she sees her son, her boy, crucified on the cross, it's going to feel like 
A sword is piercing her soul. These are the words that Simeon uses to describe what's going to happen when Jesus grows up. He says there's going to be people who reject Jesus. There's going to be people who speak against Jesus. There's going to be people who don't believe in Jesus. And Jesus will be a stumbling block to them. They will stumble over him because he's the only way to God. That just doesn't sound very peaceful or peace-giving. The sword represents pain, hurt, hardship. That's what the sword represents. And what that tells us is just because, just because it's Christmas, it doesn't mean life is not hard. You're going to go through some hard things where you feel like a sword is piercing your heart too at times. It, it, it could be because maybe you've lost someone that you love dearly. Maybe you've been disappointed with bad news or a bad diagnosis or a bad prognosis. Maybe you, someone has said hurtful, penetrating words to your heart and it hurt so much it felt like someone pierced it. Maybe you've overextended yourself and you're exhausted emotionally and, and physically worn out. Maybe you, you're having conflict with people, with someone, even though you're trying to do the right thing. The sword reveals to us at Christmas that life is hard. But here's what Simeon shows us. Jesus is your peace even when life is hard. Jesus is your peace even when life is hard. Everybody say that. Jesus is your peace even when life is hard. This is what we learn from Simeon. Sometimes it may feel like there's a sword that's dividing or it's coming in, but Jesus is your peace. Simeon knew that Mary's heart would be pierced, her soul would be pierced. He knew that people would reject Jesus, and yet Simeon could still stand there and say, Lord, now you can dismiss your servant in peace. How could he say that? Because Simeon received peace when Simeon received Jesus. He was looking at the peace giver. He was with Jesus, the Christ child. He was holding the Savior in his hands, and he felt peace. It's peace that came from God for him. Jesus is his peace. In fact, I love this verse in Ephesians 2.14, where it says, But now, in Christ Jesus... You who were once far away, that meant you were separated from God, really far from God. You have been brought near. You've been brought near to God by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our, what's it say? Peace. Jesus is peace. If someone says, define peace. There's some different ways you can define it. We've talked about that in recent weeks. But here's one way. You can simply say this, one word, Jesus. If someone said, how do you spell peace? You spell it J-E-S-U-S. Jesus himself is our peace. Peace is found in the person of Jesus. This is what Simeon would say, I'm at peace. It's also what the angels said. Remember that? When they came to the shepherds who were watching their flocks by night, and the angel came to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they said, we have good news of great joy for all people. And 
Today, in the town of Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. Here's the sign. You'll find him wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. That was the sign. It's not often you see a baby laying in a manger. That's the sign. And then there was a great company of heavenly hosts. And they all appeared and they said this, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. So even the angels were saying, to those of you who humble yourself before God, who experience his favor, you will receive peace. Because if you receive Jesus, then you receive peace. Jesus gives himself as peace to those who want him. The angels said this. Simeon says this. Even one of the great prophets, Isaiah, said this. 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah said this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. What's the next phrase? Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He brought a kingdom of peace. That's how heaven is described. In fact, in Romans 14, 17, it says, The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, joy. We even read in Romans 5, it says, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through Jesus. He is the authority of peace. He's the prince of peace. Which makes this one thing that Jesus said really confusing. In fact, shocking, I would say. There was one thing that Jesus said that you just wouldn't expect the Prince of Peace to say. It's the opposite of what you would think the Prince of Peace would say. It's in Matthew 10, 34 to 39. Jesus said this. These are his words right here. Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. What? For I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. What is our Prince of Peace talking about? We need to understand the context of what Jesus is saying when he says, I did not come to bring peace on earth, but a sword. You see, he's talking to his 12 disciples and he's sending them out on a missionary journey and they're going to go and they're going to talk about the kingdom of God throughout Israel. And as they go talking about the kingdom of God, what Jesus is telling them is what Simeon also said about him. That Jesus would cause the falling and rising of many. That some would speak against Jesus and reject Jesus. What Jesus is saying to his disciples is, the world will reject me. Which means those people in the world who reject me, they'll reject you. The world does not want the light. It wants to stay in the darkness So when you go into that world talking about the kingdom of God, there will be people who reject me, and because of that, they'll reject you. There will be people who hate me. That means they will also hate you. And here's what Jesus is saying. And you know what? That can even happen in your own family. 
And so if your mom or dad rejects you, if you follow me, follow me anyway. If your son or daughter rejects you because you follow me, follow me anyway. When Jesus talks about a sword, he doesn't mean he's bringing like a real literal sword. In fact, one time Peter pulled one out to fight for Jesus when he was being arrested. And Jesus said, put it away. Everybody who draws the sword will die by the sword. What he's talking about is what happens when people reject Jesus. And sometimes that means they might reject you. But Jesus is saying, follow me anyway. If you want to be my disciple, you'll follow me. That's what he means. He's saying, if even your own family, which are the people closest to us, if even your own family makes you choose between Jesus or your family, who do you choose? You choose Jesus. Jesus' kingdom of peace is so worth living for that even if people reject you, it's worth following because if you don't have Jesus, then you don't have peace. Not real peace. We must receive Jesus if we want to receive peace. You see, Jesus is your peace, even when life is hard. I got an email years ago. It was from Aji Law, one of our workers that we support here at Northside from India. And he told this story about Maya. She's, she's just 21 years old. She grew up in a Hindi home, a Hindu home. And she chose to follow the teachings of Jesus to, and, and to express her decision to follow him by being baptized into Christ. So you're seeing a picture of, of her right here in that time when she made that decision to follow Jesus. And Maya said this. She said, as soon as I accepted Jesus Christ, my family disowned me. They told me, we have nothing more to do with you. Go away from us. What does that sound like? Does that sound like the sword? Does that sound like hard, hard things, hurtful things? You go away from us. And they said that because there's not very many Christians in that country, only two and a half percent. And, and they had Hindu traditions. And so when you leave the Hindu traditions of your family, it often results in rejection or persecution. But Maya, that you see in this picture, with her face encircled by her white sari, she looked up and she says, even though my family has left me, I feel the peace the calm, the presence of my Lord Jesus Christ in my heart and in my mind. And it's changed me completely. And Aji said, the serenity on her face, that peace on her face is evidence of the peace she says is now in her heart. She had the peace of Jesus because she received Jesus and she followed him, even if it meant that she would be rejected by others. If you want peace, you need to know the prince of peace. So often we think peace means that all of our circumstances are peaceful, but that's not what Jesus is saying. You can have my peace. Even when you're persecuted, even when someone rejects you, you can have it. The peace that Jesus gives, it doesn't remove all the trouble or tribulations, or trials, or distress. His peace gives a supernatural calmness of heart and spirit that's independent of our circumstances. I'll give you another example. I was at Maranatha Bible Camp. How many of you have been to camp? Been to Maranatha Bible Camp before? 
Yeah, I love it. Me too. I was at Maranatha Bible Camp. It was in 2013. I was leading a family group and my assistant family group leader was Tugu. Tugu was from a Buddhist family from Indonesia. And he had come to America with his family and his aunt, who was a Christian, invited him to go to church with him so he could be socialized. He could meet other people and get to meet people. Well, while doing that, he came to believe in Jesus and follow Jesus. He became a Christian, gave his life to Jesus. And that's why he was at camp during that week. And so Tagu found Jesus, which is incredible. But here's what happened. His family disowned him. They wanted nothing to do with him because he follows Jesus. They even told him they were going to get another son and name that boy Tagu. Like they were going to totally get rid of him and not have anything to do with him anymore. That's a sword. That feels like a sword piercing your heart. That hurts, doesn't it? It's like a sword. But when I talked with Tagu, it was evident that the peace of Jesus was in his heart. He had the peace of Jesus in his life. Even though he experienced the hurt of the sword, like it felt like that piercing his heart, he had the peace of Jesus because he was following Jesus. He's now a part of a family of believers. Jesus said in John 14, I will not leave you as orphans. He said, I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Jesus is promising not to abandon Tugu or Maya. He is with Tugu. He is with Maya. He is with us. His Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of us. So Jesus gives you peace even when life is hard. Go ahead and say that. Jesus gives me peace even when life is hard. If you have Jesus, you have peace for every circumstance. That's what 2 Thessalonians says. Look at this scripture right here. Uh, Chapter 3, 16. It says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. How can he say the Lord of peace give you peace in all, in all situations, at all times, in all these circumstances for this reason, because he says the Lord is with you. No matter what you're going through, trouble, hurt, Jesus is with you in the problem. That means you have peace. Jesus promises us peace. He does not promise us peacefulness. There's a big difference. Just because Jesus is in you and you have his peace doesn't mean everything in life is going to be hunky-dory. He doesn't take away all the troubles and the trials. In this world, what he promises is you will have trouble. You will have persecution. You will have difficult times. So that's a promise. You're going to have that. But he also promises to give you peace when you experience it in the depths of your soul, in the depths of your spirit. He is peace for troubled hearts. That's why in John 14, he says, trust in me, trust in God. I give you my peace. It's a gift from Jesus. You see, trouble in this world is natural, but the peace Jesus gives is supernatural. Trouble in this world is natural, but the peace Jesus gives is supernatural. In fact, we read about that in Philippians 4, where it says, don't be anxious about, do not be anxious about anything. That Greek word for anxious means to be pulled apart in different directions, all in every way. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God 
the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when you feel pulled apart, like your mind this way, your body this way, fear pulling you this way, your emotions in a different way, in all these directions, Paul believes that you can face every one of those circumstances and experience the peace that Jesus gives if you would pray to God, go to God. And that supernatural, unexplainable, incomprehensible peace that only comes from him, it will guard your heart. You know, the heart that feels pierced, it will guard your mind. The mind that wants to start believing false things, it will guard your heart and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. And I just know that many of you probably feel that. You feel like you're being pulled apart in different directions, this way and that way and every way. In fact, I love this. I was reading a Facebook post on December 12th. It was from Amanda Wieger, and she's a member here at Northside, uh, married to Jeremy. And I asked her if I could just share this with you guys. I love this post. They've got two kids, 12 and 8. So she said this. She said, I walked in to our 12-year-old's Caden's room. And she goes, it was right at his bedtime. And she said she was doing 15 other things. And she said, uh, when I walked in there, I noticed his sock drawer half open and full of complete chaos. Anybody else ever walked in to a sock drawer full of complete chaos? She said, annoyed, I pulled every sock out onto the floor and proceeded to start making sense of it by putting together matches. And Caden said something that, is my heart language. He said, it's okay, mom. I just open the drawer and pull two socks out every morning. They don't have to be together. I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. I'm, I'm totally with him on that. She said, you don't understand. She said, I have 50 tabs open in my mind right now. I'm thinking about the laundry that needs to get into the washer, the dishes that need to be done, the lessons plans I haven't finished yet, the cat that needs to be fed, how I just want to go to bed but can't, and now I've opened a new tab because I'm worried you might need new socks and it would be easier to determine if all the socks had matches and were in the drawer neatly so I could easily see if you have enough to make it through the next laundry day. I ended with a sigh and continued to put socks away. Mom, said Caden, Can you just hit the X in the top right corner? (laughs) Amanda writes, if it were only that easy, but why isn't it? Why is this so hard to stop? I've been struggling with compulsions for a long time. My OCD has been in full swing lately and I need to take a pause. I need to step back and close all tabs. I love when the Lord uses my kids to speak to me. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. She said, thank you, Lord, for stopping me in my tracks and making me pause long enough to realize how much I'm running myself down and everyone else, how I'm too busy to be a usable vessel. So, Caden, I'm using your wisdom and hitting the X tonight. Isn't that a great story? When you're pulled in so many directions and you got so many tabs open in your chaotic mind, Just hit the X. And I want to expand on that just a little bit to give you another idea of maybe what that X could be. Because I would encourage you that when you feel pulled in many directions and all the tabs are open in your mind and you're being pulled this way and that way into chaos, I want to encourage you to go to the X 
where you'll find peace. And by X, I mean, have you ever seen uh, a picture like this or uh, where it says Mary Xmas? You ever seen that before? A lot of people don't realize that the X that you see whenever it's in front of must like that, Xmas, it comes from the Greek letter, he, which is the first letter of the Greek word. We would say it this way, Christos, which means Christ. It means Christ. It's the first letter, X, for Christ, the Greek letter. It's, so X in the early church was used as a symbol of Christ. It was used as a symbol of Christ. X. So when you feel troubled and burdened and overwhelmed and busy and worried and anxious and short on time and maybe you're short-fused or you're short with others, I just want to tell you this. Go to the X. Go to Jesus. Go to your peace. Talk to Jesus about your problems. Anxiety is when you talk to yourself about your problems. Go to Jesus to talk about your problems. Express your gratitude to Jesus for what he's done in the past. And with thanksgiving, present these requests to God. Through gratitude, it overwhelms all the other fears. And then train your mind to camp in the truth of who Jesus is. That Jesus gives you peace even when life is hard. Jesus is your peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the Lord of Peace. He's the authority of peace. Who you need is Jesus. Our world is desperate for Jesus because our world is desperate for peace. Our world just doesn't know it. It's desperate for Jesus. And by rejecting Jesus, it just keeps wielding a sword. It's wielding a sword against him. But even if it does... When we receive Jesus, we receive peace, the Prince of Peace. Trouble in this world is natural. The peace Jesus gives, it's supernatural. Jesus is your peace, even when life is hard. And when life is hard, I just want you to know, you need to remember, Jesus loves you. And he cares for you. And you may be spending Christmas, maybe you're spending it alone, maybe you're spending it in pain, wounded, hurt, whatever. And sometimes when that happens, we can begin to think that God doesn't care or God doesn't love us. And I just want to remind you of one other scripture that carries this idea of sword in it. It's in Romans chapter 8, 35 and verse 37 that says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. We need to be reminded of this because at times you may feel like when things are going hard or difficult, which Jesus told us it will. That we think, well, then he must not love me. He must not, he must not really be the person of peace that I think he is. And Jesus says, no, there will be a sword. It's going to come. But when it comes, I am the prince of peace. I'm the giver of peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Come to me. Believe in me. Trust in me. And you will have this. And I just want you to know that the minute you start to think that God doesn't understand or he doesn't care anymore, just remember this. Jesus too was pierced in the heart with a sword, a spear that was thrust into his heart when he was hanging on the cross just to make sure he had really died there. He knew that was coming whenever he said these words. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. 
I'm going to a place to prepare a room for you. And my message, there's many rooms. I'm preparing for you. Believe in me. Trust in me. Jesus could say that. Even though he knew he was going to die. Simeon could say that. Even though he was prophesying at the time that Jesus was born, that Jesus would be rejected and he would be spoken against and he would die on a cross and Mary's soul would be pierced with a sword, Simeon could still say, you may now dismiss your servant in peace because I've received Jesus. I felt Jesus. Jesus gives you peace even when life is hard. And nothing can separate you from his love. Not a sword, not danger, not trouble, not hardships, nothing. That means every single one of you can experience the peace of Jesus this Christmas, no matter what's ahead of you. Whether it's trouble or hardship or pain or sorrow or loss or grief, it does not matter. If you receive Jesus, you can say like Simeon, Lord, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I've received Jesus. I've received peace. And that is my prayer for each and every single one of you today. To every person listening, is it just as Simeon said, I may now be dismissed in peace. I'm praying that, that you would be dismissed in peace. In the peace that only Jesus can give, true peace, genuine peace, real peace. Because Jesus is your peace, even when life is hard. I want to invite you right now just to stand to your feet for this time of decision. And here's what I want to do. I, if you have yet to receive Jesus as your Lord and your King and your Savior, there is no better time than right now on Christmas Eve to do that. It was the whole reason he came. You'll celebrate Christmas like you've never celebrated before if you know the person of peace. I just want to invite you to respond. And you can do that by coming to Decision Point right over here. I'd love to meet you there. You can do that by taking a card out in the seat in front of you and, and starting a conversation with us and dropping that in the boxes as you leave. You can go online right now to northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision to begin that conversation with us. We want to do that. And then also, uh, our prayer team today would love to pray with you. They're going to be on the sides of the room over here. Maybe you just need to do what Philippians says, to go and to present your request to God and Let someone even pray over you to pray the peace of Jesus into your life. We want to go in the peace that Jesus gives. We are more than conquerors because of the love that we've experienced through Jesus. Nothing can separate you from that love. So we just want to give you a chance to respond today. Then also as you leave today, and in response, there are boxes at the back of the room. And and we would encourage you to give as an act of worship today. We're coming into the final week of our year And we just want to encourage you to give generously to the Lord. And you can do that at the boxes at the back of the room or the information on the screen. Whether you do text to give, which is a very simple way to do that with your phone right now. You can just text the word give to 417-233-1200. Or you can uh, go to northsidechristianchurch.net and click on giving there. and, And you can set that up to give this year as an act of worship. We just invite you to do that. And that kind of giving, especially this time of year, will support our Christmas meal deliveries. We're going to be going to over 400 and some homes on Christmas Day as you help deliver those meals. And, and it's going to help with our benevolence ministry, uh, both within our church as we serve people, but also through ministries like Victory Mission and Cross Lines and some of the ministries that we support in our community that help with, with those in need. So we just want to encourage you to experience that as well 
as you participate. And uh, so I just want to encourage you to give generously today. And, and then I just want to invite you back tonight. We're going to have a special night of worship and a candlelight service uh, at 530. would love for you to come and participate with us in that special evening. And, and so as we go, this is my prayer. May you be dismissed in peace. And Lord, I pray that Lord, the light of your face would shine upon every person here today. Lord, I thank you that whether we are in good times or bad, whether we are happy or sad, the Lord, we can be full of the peace that you give that strengthens the inner soul that comes into our heart and fills us up. And Jesus, I just pray that today we would be dismissed in the peace that you give because Jesus, we're looking to you, our Prince of Peace. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people say, Amen. Thanks for joining us this morning, Northside. Before you go, make sure you check in and let us know you were here. Text the word CHECK to 417-233-1200. If you want to respond to today's service, you can do that online through Decision Point. If you want to know more about baptism or becoming a member, you can request more info at northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision. This is also the place to find out about our life groups, find out what sort of service opportunities there are, or if you just need to get in touch with a minister. And if you're online, you probably use social media too. Make sure you're following along with Northside on our Facebook page, Instagram account, YouTube channel, or Twitter. We are glad that you chose to join us this morning. As we head out for the week, let's make sure we take the love of God with us. Take good care of each other, Northside.